0: 10-5. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Phelps. Avery for three hits. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else: Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Coming up, another big signing for the. Men's basketball team, huge signing for Coach Hansen and company. We'll talk about that. The baseball team finishing up the season very strong over the weekend. Also, the men's golf team was in action, postseason action. We'll talk about that coming up as well and get you ready for the NCAA regionals for the A-State track team. That's coming up later in the week. But right now, we're joined in studio by... An extremely special guest, mm-hmm. wide receiver from Bentonia, Mississippi, it's Corey Rucker. How you doing, Rock?
1: I'm good. How are y'all? Good. Man, we're great,
0: and uh, even better to see you. We're excited that you're back where you belong. This is where you belong, right?
1: Yes, 100%. It feels really good to be back.
0: All right. So let's go through your journey. I, I want to talk about the whole thing. So... We mentioned Bentonia, Mississippi. You went to Yazoo County High School. Mm -hmm. How did you end up at Arkansas State to begin with?
1: So um, I was very lightly recruited out of high school, and I was committed to South Alabama for about the first half of my um, senior season, and they ended up firing Steve Campbell from South Alabama. So I took a step back, decommitted, and I really only had ULM and a couple, pretty much all the JUCOs in the state of Mississippi. So – in my mind, I was thinking I was gonna go play JUCO football in Mississippi for about a year or so. And then Arkansas State rode around the corner really late. I think Cocefalo offered me the weekend before signing day, asked me to come up on a visit and then I just kinda of took a chance on it.
0: I remember when you came in, I saw this true freshman down on the field during preseason workouts and I see him wearing number seven. <laughs> And I remember asking both Coach Cefalo and Coach Anderson about it. I said, you're just going to hand number seven over to this freshman. Because Omar Bayless had just broken every Mm -hmm. record in the book the year before. Received all kinds of recognition around the country. And here you are wearing number seven. Did you feel any kind of pressure? Did you know about Omar? I actually had
1: no clue about Omar. So when I got there and they gave out our jerseys or whatever and I had number seven on, like pretty much everybody in the receiver room was looking at me like, like, is this real? <laughs> so so um, actually Jay told me, Jay Adams was like, he was like the last person to wear that number. He was like, like he did a lot here, so you got some big shoes to fill. And then everybody else just kind of chipped in about it. So after that, I went back and like actually looked at some of the old film and just kind of figured out like who Omar Bayless was and just the fact that he was from Mississippi, I – I just kind of yeah. took that, and I was like, "I feel like I can live up to to the standard they kind of set for that number."
2: And it makes sense because you just said, but the way your recruiting fell, it's not like you even had a big reason to be following the season he had the year before. So, right. you know, it's not like, you, "How do you not know?" Well, you, I mean, they weren't even recruiting you then, so right. yeah, I mean, you you needed to come learn about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, I get it. You
0: mentioned Jay Adams, and you actually played behind him most of that freshman season and and Jay ended up having an incredible year that year in 2020 and I think everybody remembers his performance in that win at Kansas State. How helpful was that for you just kind of watching as a first-year guy and being able to see what he did?
1: I think it was very like monumental in the development of my game because that that summer when I first got there I worked out with Lane Hatcher pretty much every day and Jay would come through and I think I made, like, a couple crazy catches one day. We was out there throwing, and Jay just kind of took me aside, and he was like, like, dude, you sure you're coming out of high school? <laughs> and, like, since that moment, he just kind of took me under his wing and, like, just kind of made sure I was good with everything, just trying to transfer it, like, into college and try to get, get into that rhythm. But um, just having him take me under his wing kind of showed me everything. And It was a lot of times where he was like, at some point I'm going to have to come out of the game and you're going to have to go in. So he was like, just be ready. And he made sure, he tried to do everything he could to make sure I was ready for that moment when I had to go in.
2: Years later, you can look back and say how key that was and he took you under the wing and all that. But were you able to look at it that way at the time or were you like, I just want to get on the field? Um, At the time, I was really just trying to do everything I could to get on the field
1: because I had been a starter all the way through high school when I played Little League football. So I never had the backup role. So at that point, I was just trying to get on the field. But I kind of understood that, there were some things that I would need to do in order to get to that position.
0: Jay Adams did not play the final game of the season against Mm. ULM. Was that your first start?
1: That was my first start.
0: You made the most of it, Corey. Oh, yeah. It was a historic performance. You set the single-game receiving yards record at Arkansas State with 310. And it was also the NCAA record for a freshman in a single game. It was an incredible feat. And I know we've told you this story once before. You had a lot to do with that record, Mm -hmm. but so did the two guys in this. We
2: really, yeah, we really just brought you here (laughs) for you to thank us for setting those records.
0: One of the coolest things, and and as broadcasters, look, we love calling the games, being a part of it. I don't think many other broadcasters can say they affected what happened on the field. But to kind of set it up here, and and I know a lot of people don't know this story, but this is COVID, okay? Right. Tim Allison, who is usually our color analyst, gets COVID. He's out. And Brad and I have a really unique setup in that, yes, he's usually on the sidelines during the games, but we decided to go without a color guy in the booth. It was me doing the play-by-play like usual, but... Brad was doing color from the sideline. Okay, so we're going back and forth. We're up big. I'm looking at the media guide. I see that you are four yards away from the single game record mm-hmm. as far as receiving yards. It was set by Lenny Johnson back in 1997. Since we are up so big, I said, okay, we- Brad, here's the record. Yep. You've got to somehow get word
2: to Coach Anderson that you're this close. Because I got news for you. Your day was done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you weren't getting that record because they didn't know. And so, like, on the air, like, first I get to Cephalo first and tell him, hey, yo, know, he's this short of the record and you were done. I tell Cephalo, like, basically on the air, mm-hmm. he walks over to Coach Anderson. They put you in there to just throw you a little five yard out that you break for extra yard that's got you over 300.
0: You went 30 yards on that. So you were sitting at 280. Yards. You ended up at 310. So we brought you in here to say <laughs> you're welcome, Corey.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, obviously we were happy for you and, and cool that uh, we we were able to see that moment. But to to be such a special part of history as a freshman, did you appreciate it then at the time, what you had accomplished? Do you appreciate it even more now, kind of looking back at it?
1: It took me probably a month to actually realize what I had did. But um I think now when you look back on it, like I don't think people realize like how hard it is to have like it's hard to have a hundred yard game. So the fact that I had three now, like just now that I've played more ball, like just to look back on that and just see how crazy that is, I do have a lot more
2: appreciation for it now than I did then. And I know you got a lot of ball in front of you. But if you never played another snap, you had a three hundred yard receiving <laughs> game. Yeah, not very many people walking around could say that. Yeah, it's crazy to think about.
0: So that was the final game of 2020. It was also the final game of that particular coaching staff. Mm -hmm. Coach Jones and his staff come in in 2021. And I want to talk about your relationship with Coach Jones. And I know that this is more than your typical player-coach relationship you guys became close in a pretty big hurry right mm-hmm. and yeah. I know you consider him a, a very close confidant of yours talk about that relationship with him
1: yeah so I remember when when they first came in I'm pretty sure probably me and Jeff Foreman were probably the only two people still in town when that coaching staff came in so they called us like to come in and come meet them or whatever so came in um first we met coach let kind of talked to him a little bit and then uh, he took us down to coach Jones to meet him and i remember the first thing he told me and jeff was like get in you receiver stances and me and jeff kind of looked at each other like like why would he ask us something like that so we get in our receiver stances and he just like oh my god that's awful <laughs> and like so like the first time i meet him it's he immediately just started coaching us on our receiver stance and how it should be and then from that moment like we would talk ball a little bit and then I just found myself in his office almost every day and because it was new a lot of people kind of shied away from going upstairs or going into his office because they just kind of thought he was mean or just kind of shy about it but I was in his office every single day and I don't know he just kind of started asking me questions like how I felt about certain things how I I thought things should be ran and a lot of things that I said like he would kind of take it and and apply it so I guess he just kind of had a little bit of confidence in me and trusted me with some things and we just kind of took off from there.
0: It was a good year individually for you that year Mm -hmm. that 2021 season 826 yards 59 catches nine touchdowns and look I I know the relationship was good with coach Jones back then but after that season you decided to enter the transfer portal and this is part of your story you Mm -hmm. end up going to South Carolina so
1: why I was really frustrated with losing I think we only won four four games my true freshman year and then turn around and win two so I mean I was still very young and immature and I just I wanted to win because those are my first two losing seasons since I've been an athlete in any sport so I didn't really know how to handle that and I figured I just came off a good season so I knew Ole Miss would come after me because I had some a lot of friends on that team that I talked to and they talked to their coaches. So I knew I would have a few places I could go if I entered. So I just kind of rolled the dice and I entered the portal. And I had all of these schools coming at me or whatever. But throughout the recruitment process, I kind of felt like South Carolina would be the best fit. The receiver coach, Coach Justin Step I just kind of fell in love with him and my relationship with him grew very quickly. We talked every single day. And I think he was probably the only coach that I talked to every day during that process. And then I went on a visit, and that just kind of blew me away. So I just kind of knew in my heart that that's where I wanted to go.
2: Tell me about when you're a you're a good player at a place like Arkansas State, but you're not local, mm-hmm. and you go home and you live in the state of Mississippi, right in the middle of also in the SEC footprint. Tell me about the outside noise. I mean, tell me about what that's like to deal with, because I'm sure you got a lot of people in your ear saying, "Oh, you need to bounce." I mean, what mm-hmm. what's it like trying to sort through who has your best interest in mind and maybe who doesn't?
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually insane because. It's some of the same people, you know, when I was in high school that thought I wasn't very good or didn't deserve a shot to go to to the SEC. And, like, there's there was other people on my team that they were, like, that they thought were better than me and, like, I didn't deserve a shot to do, like, what I'm doing now. But I think Deion Sanders had just went to Jackson State, so it was an insane amount of noise about, I need to come home, go to Jackson State, because I'm only 20 minutes from Jackson. So it, it was actually very insane. Coach Lindsey, the running back coach from that 2020 staff, he went to Southern Miss, so even him and some more people down that way are trying to get me to come to Southern Miss, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, so, and Jackson State, so it's actually just insane, that like the amount of people just trying to get me to come home.
0: I can't imagine what it's like to grow up now and to be a student athlete now with social media the way it is. When Brad and I were your age, I mean, social media wasn't a thing. Now, We look at what you're having to deal with, and we see these people from all these different fan bases reaching out to you, and it's got to be overwhelming, just trying to decide what's real, what's not, what's just, like Brad said, a whole bunch of noise. How do you deal with it all, and do you have a different perspective on social media after going through what you've gone through over the last year or so?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's actually insane because, like, the same people that love you, they hate you at the same time too. So, like, they only love you when you're doing good. And you got all these people, like, commenting on in your posts, like, come to our school, this and that. But then as soon as you choose another school, it's all hate messages and, like, you weren't actually that good anyway. So I think it's actually crazy just to see, like, the contrast between the love and the hate. But I'd say going through that process has just taught me, like, you just can't pay attention to it. You just got to know, like, who's actually in your circle and like what people messages
2: mean the most to you. It's really easy to go. Oh, you tune out the noise, but it's easier said than done Right? Like through that process or through, even after you choose a new school. And so now you've got all these places you didn't go. I mean, like what kind of impact can that have on somebody's mental health? It's actually like, it's it's crazy because when you make that decision,
1: even though you're there, you're still like thinking in the back of my mind, did I make the right decision? Because, No matter what, like, these people still can contact you at any point. Like, you have to see it because, like, you're going to check your feed. Like, Twitter, Instagram, like, they're coming from all these different platforms. And it's just like, especially with these SEC schools, like, their fan bases are just so massive that, like, these people, they don't really care. And, like, they're just sending, like, all types of messages. But as far as, like, the mental health piece, like, it just leaves you constantly thinking, like, did I make the right decision?
0: When did you realize that you wanted to come back?
1: It was very early on when I got to South Carolina. I think I was probably there for, like, two weeks or so, and I didn't really know anybody. So I spent a lot of time alone when I first got there, and it gave me a lot of time to reflect on kind of, like, what I had versus, like, what I have now. I don't think there was ever a point where me and Coach Jones really stopped talking. Like, we would communicate through people just to see, like, how everything was going or whatever. But I kind of knew early on that I wanted to be back in Jonesboro. During the May break – I found myself back here a lot cuz I had some some family friends here and I would come stay with them and I just always found myself back in Jonesboro at any point that I had a break that I could leave South Carolina I would probably go home for 2 or 3 days and then
2: find myself coming up 55 to come to Jonesboro. So all right, you said you realized it quickly, but why? I mean, what you touched on a little bit about it, the people you have here, but mm-hmm. it's not just hey, I it's not I don't want to be in South Carolina. It right. was I want to be at Arkansas state.
1: Mm-hmm. Why? I think I didn't really value the relationship that me and Coach Jones had and how much he actually cared about me and my future, my relationship with my teammates that I have, just leaving them and then realizing like I don't have like those same people around me anymore, and then, like I'm a big family guy, so just being that far away from home and just like the people that I had in this community, I think just being away from them made me realize like I had so much more than I actually knew. And just being away made me realize that, and that's why I knew I wanted to be back here at Arkansas State.
0: And you mentioned the relationship with Coach Jones. I'm sure most coaches that you play for are still going to be cordial with you right? if you go into the transfer portal and go somewhere else. But you said you guys were still talking pretty much every day. You were reaching out to him and still kind of leaning on him. I, I think that kind of shows a lot about what a special relationship you guys have.
1: Mm-hmm. It's actually crazy, like, just to think about the fact that I, in a way, abandoned him to go somewhere else, and he still cared about my well-being. And, like, like different schools would offer me, and he would tell me, like, what to look for in the school or, like, do they have this, like, this is going to benefit you, this is going to hurt you because he know what type of player I am and what type of person I am. So he kind of warned me about some things to look for in schools and what to look for to be successful at the next spot
2: so we were able to ever step back and go why is this guy helping me i don't think i ever really stepped back and asked myself
1: that i don't think it ever like crossed my mind so why was that guy
2: helping you he
1: loved me that's really the only way i can put it
0: and i believe that just knowing what we know about your relationship and just things that he said about you but Mm -hmm. i'll ask you this so obviously the relationship personally is there But what is it about what he's trying to build here? Just the whole culture, everything that's going on in that building that's different. Why do you believe that this is the place, number one, that you should be? And why is this a place that's ready to win now?
1: I think definitely being able to be in a different program and just kind of like see it on the outside looking in and like taking things from because he's an SEC guy, so it's hard for a lot of us to understand because we've all just been sunbelt players and we've never been in the SEC before to know how it actually works. And he did really good at Tennessee, Central Michigan, what other schools? Yeah, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He did really did really well at those schools and those were some of the top schools in the nation. And then he spent some time in Alabama and worked with some of the best players ever. So it was hard for a lot of us to know actually where he was coming from because we'd never seen the way some of those players work. So when I went to South Carolina, I got to see players like Cam Smith, Spencer Rattler, Zach Pickens. Like when those guys come to practice, like they treat everything like it's their last, like it's their last rep, and you don't really see that a lot. in like the group of five, so to be able to see that, like it gave me an understanding like what he was actually trying to accomplish. Like a lot of people would think like maybe he's just overdoing it, or like he's trying too hard or pushing us too hard. But in reality, that's just what it takes. So I think now that He's starting to get some some of the guys that he recruited in and guys that actually believe in what he's trying to do. Like, we got a lot of power for our transfers right now. And I think mm-hmm. having all of those guys together that understands what it takes and coming together and being connected as a whole unit is what – that's what's going to separate us this year.
2: When you make the decision to leave South Carolina, mm-hmm. was that made with the full intention of ending up at Arkansas State no matter what? It seems like a lot of stuff had to happen. Mm-hmm. Obviously you wanted to, but I mean, was this done to end up back at Arkansas State? A hundred percent. And was was there ever a time you were worried it wasn't going to get done? I don't think I ever worried about it because, like I said, I always talked to Coach Jones
1: and he told me like, he would love to have me back. So that was my plan. I initially thought maybe I would do go to South Carolina until I graduated and grad transfer back. But then... After getting hurt in fall camp, I mean, it just put me in a place mentally where I just was very unwell there. So I knew I needed to get out immediately.
0: So you've seen both sides of the transfer portal now. Mm-hmm. We're certainly not here to bash the portal because there are positives about it. Right. You know, some people end up at a better spot, but there's so many people going into it. Mm-hmm. So many people that are not ending up in a better situation the grass isn't greener right so what's your advice now what's your message to guys on the team that maybe in the future will look at going into the portal what do you tell them
1: yeah i've I've had a lot of guys ask me that like do i need to do it and i am usually my answer is like i don't think it's the solution to everything i think you really have to lay out your problems and see why isn't the school that you're at right now working a lot of times, like Coach Jones told me, it's like a lot of your problems, when you break them down and look at them, they're not even problems. So I think I just try to tell guys, like, like, actually step back and assess your situation and see, like, is it really to the point where you need to leave or, like, find somewhere else? Like, I think for the most part, like, if guys need to leave a school, like, it's either you only have one year left and you just actually want to play and maybe you need to transfer down or something. But for the most part, I just try to tell guys, kind of stick it out and just see what happens. Because if you got, like, three, four years left, like, there's no reason to rush into the portal because that's what everybody, they think they're going to go in the portal and find somewhere to go. And I'm telling them, like, there's a million people in the portal. So, like, mm-hmm. if you don't have any game field, like, what separates you from the other people that's in there, like, in your position? So I would usually just tell people, kind of wait it out, kind of compete where you're at unless, like, you're down to the point where You only have one year left. You just really want to play. play. Yeah.
0: You can be a very positive voice now Mm -hmm. in that locker room for guys needing that kind of advice. But you're going to be able to be somebody now that Coach Jones relies upon when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, now you're in a situation you want to be. So let's talk about this team. You just went through spring practice. What do you like about this year's bunch?
1: Um, I think what's really different this year than than any team I've been a part of here is like the connectiveness of people actually wanting to be around each other. For a while, there was like this divide in the locker room where it was offense and defense, and on those two sides, it was people within their position groups. Receivers were with the receivers, running back with the running backs, D-backs with the D-backs. So now we've transitioned to a spot where like, I found myself hanging with the defense a lot more than I do some of the offense sometimes. Like, we got quarterback that hang with D-linemen. So, like, just the interconnectedness of our team is, like, the biggest difference. That's what I love the most
2: about being back. Here's something I'll step back just a little bit because you said, hey, uh, you had never not won before. Mm-hmm. And so, in your first two years, you guys won six games, and that played a big role in it. And you had your own thing going to South Carolina last year, but clearly you were – Following what was happening here, right. So, what was it like to be on the outside looking in and watch, you know, Arkansas State from a win loss standpoint, kind of struggle through another season when you were not being a part of it? I think
1: just seeing how close they were because I knew some of the things that that go on inside of Arkansas State because I, I was just there. So, knowing like what they're trying to do and seeing how close they were, so like my perspective would probably have been different from anybody else that was sitting in the stands because I know what they're trying to accomplish and how close they were. I think in, I want to say, like eight of the games. Eight eight games. We're, like, leading in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. And then you just see some stuff start to fall apart. And part of it was depth. We didn't have a lot of depth in some positions, and we're starting to get that out of the portal. But I just think, like, my perspective of seeing it, and, like, because having been there, just seeing just how different it was. So on the
2: one hand, you'd say, was it hard to watch? It was. But on the other hand, you're like, you make a great point. So you're able to yeah. watch it and say, gosh, I know they lost that game, but I can tell how they're getting better. Right. You saw that happening. hmm yeah.
0: You talk about the relationships and how it is good, you know, with the whole team now. But within your position, I know you and Jeff Foreman are back together again. hmm Talk about uh, the partnership you guys have.
1: So when I came in – I was the only freshman receiver that signed in my class, a scholarship. So I came in by myself for a while and just kind of had to find like who I was going to like roll with. And that's kind of like me and Jeff started clicking a little bit. Me and him got closer because we both had our first start on the same night against Monroe. That kind of brought us closer together because we were going through it together. Mm-hmm. And then like the next season, like me and Jeff knew we were going to be two starters and two guys that they leaned on in the room. So that's kind of what got our relationship really close and then just being away for that time and like coming back and I'm pretty sure Jeff was probably the only person still in, like just still in the room now that was my true freshman year so we kind of still got that connection of being together for so long.
0: And I guess you guys stayed in touch during the whole time mm-hmm. last year
1: for the most part.
0: What about the quarterbacks now? Obviously, you got a couple of good young ones with right. Jackson Daly, and now Jalen Rayner has come in and got to work with them during the spring. But J.T. Shrout, the Colorado transfer, has also – come in. He's uh, about to come in and you're going to be able to work with him as you get closer to the season. But he's somebody that's actually been around a little bit during the spring workouts too, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, JT was probably there more than some people on the team. <laughs> I mean, like every time you look up JT is there watching practice and trying to be around the team. But um, I'm really excited about him coming in. I have watched his film seen him throw some. Jackson Daly, really good left-handed quarterback. I think he just needs some experience and some time to grow, and he'll be a really good weapon for this offense. And dude, I've been like so obsessed with Jalen Rayner, just to see him come in and make the plays that he made this spring. I've been coming off a foot injury, so I've been kind of slow through spring ball. But like I come in and rep with the twos, um, and Jalen's at quarterback, and like just he put trust in me immediately. Like he would just throw me some balls, and I don't think there's a time where he threw me a bad ball. He just put it up there so gracefully and just placed the ball well. And just to see him pull the ball down and make plays with his feet. So he's been really good to watch, really fun to watch, especially like when they make him live. Like You don't really get to see what a quarterback can do because they always blow the whistle when somebody gets close to him. But to see him live and just see the plays mm-hmm. he make, make people miss, he's lowered his shoulder a few times and put some guys on their back at practice. And it's really exciting to watch. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do in the next
2: few years. What's is the last one I got for you. And how is Corey Rucker that we're sitting here talking to today different than the Corey Rucker that decided to leave in the first place?
1: He's a lot more mature. He has a really great appreciation for like what he has around him and the people that he's around. And he's taken on more of a leadership role. For the longest I was just always quiet. Like I wouldn't really say anything. Like I would see stuff and know that it didn't need to happen, but I would always just be quiet and call myself kinda just leading by example. But in reality, that doesn't do anything for anybody. So just trying to be more vocal and, like, letting guys know. I think it was really hard for me because I was young to think that people would listen to what I had to say. But usually the people that make plays are the people that guys in the room are going to listen to. So just trying to be more vocal and letting guys know, like, what needs to be done and just kind of putting out there, like, we can't go down this road or, like, see things and just let it happen. So just trying to be more vocal and letting guys know.
0: And look, yes, you're trying to be more vocal and you're doing that on the football team. But I love the way you've kind of thrown yourself in every aspect of the university and the Mm -hmm. athletic programs. And I know you've been out at baseball games. And one thing you've been doing at baseball games is doing some photography. Mm -hmm. And I was asking you, even before we started the interview, just kind of how you got into it, kind of tell that story.
1: Like I said earlier, when I got to Carolina, I wasn't really close with anybody. So my mom and my auntie both did photography for a while, and I used to pick up their camera every now and then. So I was just really bored one day, so I went and bought a camera, and I would just go out and just take, like, like nature shots. And I got hurt in camp, so during the season, I would take my camera out the pregame, and I would take a couple pictures of the guys warming up, and people would, like, give me feedback, like, oh, these pictures are actually pretty good or whatever. So... I just kind of took off with the photography thing, and earlier this spring, I took some pictures of the soccer game, and then here in the month of May, I just—I'm pretty sure it's probably on like five athletes here, like on the football team. So I always go out to the baseball game because I love to watch them play. And one day, I just—I just like, why don't I bring my camera out here? So went and got my camera, came out there, took some pictures of the guys, sent them to them, and a lot of them liked them. So I just started bringing them to more games. A
0: very cool hobby. Is that mm-hmm. something though that you maybe want to become a little bit more? serious about going forward
1: yeah a hundred percent so i've done some grab pictures here and there and made some money from it and it's something that i really enjoy doing so maybe when football's done i'll probably pursue a career in photography
0: that's awesome and i did see where on social media you offered to uh join the basketball team
1: <laughs> hey if coach, coach brian need me come in and foul a few people i am with it <laughs>
0: the uh late game fowler oh here. yeah you're uh, happy to come in and do that, I guess we learned before we went on too you're You're a country music fan, is that right?
1: Oh yeah, I love some kojo big Cody Johnson fan.
0: that's your favorite, oh yeah, man,
1: this's been fun man
0: man, I'm <laughs> glad that uh glad you're back here at Arkansas State. I know I speak for our fan base when I say that, and uh can't wait for the fall, man, oh yeah, I'm so Oklahoma's excited. gonna be here before you know it. I'm ready. All right, that's Corey Rucker joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever
2: we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons
0: are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Another big signing for the men's basketball team. Huge news coming out on Friday. The signing of Darian Ford. And, you know, there's been a lot of commitment announcements over the years that have been put out on social (laughs) media. I don't think anything has ever compared to what we saw on Friday when the news broke that Darian Ford was transferring from Arkansas to Arkansas State.
2: Well, these last couple, obviously, I mean, honestly, everyone for for Coach Hodson, when the day of his press conference he gets you know Terrence Ford and Isaiah Nelson to announce their back. That's really big to Arkansas State fans, and then you know and he, he got the two transfers he added, and, and everybody knows that's cool. But then you skip to the Freddie Hicks one. And obviously that was big for Arkansas State fans, you know, current and former or, or past because of the connections with his dad. And so that made a big splash. And this one, I think probably if it took it up another notch is because then you had, you know, you had Arkansas State fans and Arkansas fans both reacting to that news that, that Darian Ford's coming in. And I'd be completely lying if I told you that one did not catch me by surprise.
0: Just a massive get for this A-State basketball team and Ford, the two-time Gatorade player of the year, joining a roster that just continues to get more and more impressive. You mentioned Freddie Hicks, who had signed a few weeks ago, the Tarleton transfer, the Searcy native, the son of Freddie Hicks Sr., part of that NCAA tournament team back in 1999, joined DeAndre Dominguez from UMass, LaQuil Hardnett from Buffalo,
2: and who knows yeah more to come who's coming next i would just say this for people there's a lot of chatter about this on social media so if you're listening to this i'll just say it. if you go to com and scroll down a little bit past kind of the top stories and but there below you're going to see coach hodson's face mm-hmm. on one of the kind of the four spots across the website below the top stories click on coach hodson's handsome face And uh, it'll take you directly to a link to buy men's basketball season tickets.
0: Great time to do it. It's getting uh, awfully exciting, especially for May. It's uh, an exciting time to talk (laughs) A-State hoops. The uh, baseball team, great to see them wrap up the season strong over the weekend. Sweeping South Alabama. I know it's been a frustrating season and not going to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament this week. But obviously this team wanted to finish strong and they did. The sweep of South Al, only the second time ever that's happened. Only other time was back in twenty twelve. That was a really good year for the Red Wolves. But uh kind of recapping the weekend, winning on Thursday night, seven to two. It was great to see our man Hunter Draper get his first win. As a Red Wolf, he started a lot this year, but uh, able to kind of break through and and uh, get in the win column. Yeah. He went five and two-thirds, gave up just the one-earned run. And, you know, one of the biggest bright spots from the bullpen this year was Arlen Butts. He came in, with the final three and a third, did not allow a run, and ended up getting the save.
2: Yeah, he's been very, very good, and so a great note to end his season on. And here's what you point out about the Thursday night game is it's not like you know, at that point, A-State knew it wasn't making the tournament, but South Alabama on Thursday still could have. Yeah. And so, you know, A-State went and, and beat a team that was playing for its life on Thursday. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that was cool to see them get that win.
0: Then on Friday, final start of the year for Kyler Carmack, who was certainly a candidate for Sunbelt Freshman of the Year. He did not get that honor, but hey, for a redshirt freshman, out of Cabot to come in and finish top five in the league and earn run average was really impressive had a Not nice bad
2: for an outfielder
0: yeah <laughs> he's also an outfielder and uh, has a pretty good bat as well but uh, Kyler went five innings gave up just one earned run and picks up his fifth win of the season one of the more unique stories I've ever seen in a particular game was that of Dylan DeBeauty on Friday nights. He came to the plate five times, and all five times the sack bunt was on. And, look, three of those times he got it down. And kind of skipping ahead here, he did it two more times on Saturday and finished with a league high in that category, 12 sack (laughs) bunts. But, Dylan, on those two other occasions Friday, when he didn't get the sack bunt down, now the first time he bunted again on strike two, it went foul, so he's out. He's out. The next time, he goes to a two-strike count. This time, Tommy Raffo says, swing away. And Dylan ends up putting it over the wall in left center, a no-doubter for a three-run home run. So, he finishes with three sack bunts and a
2: three-run homer. I'm still going to bet probably the only person in the history of the game to have that stat line. (laughs) And it was interesting. I did hear him talk with you after the game and say that when he looked down to get the signal when he hit the home run, he saw that they had taken the bunt off with two strikes. He was disappointed. He wanted to keep the bunt on because he wanted, he wanted to have the faith in him to think he'd still get it down.
0: Well, it that home out. run beat the heck out of a sack, <laughs> another sack <laughs> bunt. And then uh, Saturday, again, they complete the sweep with an 18-11 to victory. Sunbelt Conference Player of the Week, Brandon Hager, hit his second home run of the series, 15th of the year. The 15 home runs tied for the second most in a single season in A-State history. And uh, he's now tied for third on the career list in home runs with Murray Watts, has 25 career bombs, Hager bombs,
2: Hager bombs, Yep.
0: and uh, four away from tying the career record. And he's eligible to be back next year and not only can break the record, but uh, put quite a bit of padding.
2: Yeah. And you say it on that record and you choose your words wisely because he can also get drafted and (laughs) he he just might. So we'll see what happens there. I will say this: since we've already kind of patted ourselves on the back about getting Corey Rucker that record, I'll tell you the Friday Hager bomb I called. You said he was going to do it. Well, if you know the tricks of the trade, like you do as a broadcaster, so when the at bat came up where he hit the home run, you know, and Mitch Mathis was doing the Friday night game with me, and so on the air, I so said, you know, we haven't seen in a little while a Hager bomb, just because for some reason I mean and I say it because I really thought he was about to hit a three-run homer in that at bat
0: well good and call. so he
2: did as Spencer uh, Funderburg the manager who uh, was honored on senior day he's been up with me beside me doing track man the last few games so he said I didn't know this he said I pulled my yard card and called that home <laughs>
0: well it's a good time to pull <laughs> Red Wolves uh, finish 20-31 and overall, 9-19 and in conference play. Six seniors were honored before the game on Saturday. They do have a lot of guys coming back next year. Obviously need to make some upgrades with the pitching staff. I know they're addressing that. Uh, Need to bring a new shortstop in as well with Cody Darcy being gone. But, uh, you know, it's not going to be quite the same turnover that we saw this past
2: year. If you can keep your returners together, again, you need to – yeah, you you started one senior in the lineup every day, and so, uh, and that was a team that you go look at the offensive numbers. They were good, markedly offensive team. improved in every category. So kind of interesting. Do want to mention the golf
0: team finishing sixth at the national golf invitational that was in Maricopa, Arizona, over the weekend. They started the final day in twelfth place, out of thirteen teams in the event, but had the low round of the day and the final day and. Good to see Coach Hagen's team finish strong. And before that tournament, our man Luka Naglitch, who was here a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, he finished strong on the final day at the NCAA regionals yep. at Auburn and ended up moving up in the 28th place out of 75
2: people. Yep. Moved up 20 spots in the last day and had the highest finish for an individual at a regional in program history. So
0: congratulations to Luca on a good run there at regionals and an outstanding career at Arkansas State. We'll take one final time out. Be back to wrap things up right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen, or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Taking a look at the week ahead now, the NCAA Regional Outdoor Track and Field Championships are... Coming up uh, in Sacramento, Wednesday through Saturday, we have 16 athletes that are uh, going to regionals. Good number. 19 total entries. Of course, one of those, Cameron Newton-Smith, you know, she'll be going to compete in some events at regionals, but uh, our buddy Cameron already has her ticket punched to nationals due to her performance in the heptathlon, the fifth best yep. heptathlon score in the country this year.
2: So, yeah, she doesn't, I mean, like you said, she can be doing some other things at regionals, but she knows she's headed uh, to Austin for the Nationals coming up.
0: And as far as other events happening this week, uh, recording this on Monday, I'm going down to the Howl on Wheels event in Bryant tonight. But uh, in Little Rock, Tuesday at the system office, they're having uh, the big event with you know, Jeff Purinton, Dr. Todd Shields is there, uh, Coach Jones, Destiny Rogers, Brian Hansen, all part of this event. And great to be able to have that presence in central Arkansas with uh, a whole lot of fans that are that are coming out to yeah, these events. Yeah,
2: I think uh, I'm going to maybe go catch the Little Rock one myself, go see what's going on. Talk to my friend and fellow Cardinal fan, Dr. Welch. He is a big one. Not as big. He's lost a lot of weight. <laughs> Has he? Oh, yeah. He looks great, punk. <laughs> what else do uh, we need to talk about before uh, we get out of here? Hey, I know I don't know if we mentioned this one before or not, but uh, just because of kind of where it landed in that, that time between being a commitment and being a signee, but we talked about adding transfers. Uh, the women added. The women's basketball added a, a heck of a transfer last week as well, getting uh, Kendra Gillespie. Oh, yeah. Who was uh, transferring in from Baylor. A good get. A good you know, get. Uh, Kid out of the state Oklahoma that was a top one hundred high school player in the country in her class and played a couple of years at Baylor. and it seemed like uh, it her recruiting kind of maybe came down to Arkansas State and another big twelve school. and she ended up committing and signing to the Red Bulls without even taking the visit to the other big twelve school mm. yeah, I hear. So both of those basketball programs have just been killing it in the recruiting this off season.
0: Love the buzz right now, in particular with our football and basketball programs. We've got a lot of good stuff going on as we speak. So appreciate Corey Rucker coming in. Man, I, I love his candidness. Yep. As soon as he left the room, you and I kind of looked at each other and, and said, man, that guy has matured. And it's very clear that he's come in now and he's got a very good mindset with this team. He sees himself uh, as a leader now. And I think Coach Jones is going to rely on him a lot going forward.
2: Well, it's a relationship game, and the fact that Coach Jones didn't treat Corey like a commodity and the fact that once Corey chose to leave, Coach Jones didn't just bail on him, kept that relationship in place, and it was beneficial to Corey, I'm sure, but obviously it turned out to be beneficial to Arkansas State because here we are.
0: Appreciate Corey coming in. Appreciate Jerry Scott setting up that visit for us as well. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.